0: On this episode of This Is Game Boy, we leap our way into your playlists. Hello everybody and welcome back to another brand new episode of the This Is Game Boy podcast, your number one Game Boy podcast, like I have actually no idea how many game-like podcasts there are out there, but I'm just going to say we're number one, because if you know anything about us is that it's, we are full of ourselves. Um, anyways, this is a special podcast for me because, um, I'm actually doing this one while standing up because Lex had to use a de for my vocal track so many times last time that, uh, <laughs> I can't sit down anymore. So, uh, this is, this is really special for me. Anyways, as usual, I'm Mula and I'm here with my co-host e bloody candy how have you been abc what have
1: you been up to i've been good um just got back from sgdq summer games done quick uh, a couple weeks ago whatever ran uh, kirby's dreamland extra mode on the last day of it all um aside from the soft lock that i did right away in the run it was a good run sub sub 13 (laughs) in a marathon it was it was good overall um after that, like literally like a week or two later, we had handheld heroes, which was the week long uh, handheld marathon. Um, a lot of a lot of really good runs in that. Um, a lot of fun, entertaining runs. I got to run Max or Rubble Saver, which is what this episode is about today. Um, on the first night of the marathon, and then uh, I got to run Shinchan One on Saturday morning, So I can't complain too terribly much. Um, outside of that, recently I took a little bit of a break from retro stuff. Um, I will be running Kirby Dreamland again at Midwest Speed Fest in a couple weeks. Um, but Octopath Traveler's like consumed my time right oh, now, yeah, and and with the new WoW expansion coming out, like that's starting to consume my time a little bit as well. So, yeah, how about you, Mo? Yeah, weirdly
0: enough, like all of those runs you did the past few weeks on all those marathons, I had not been able to catch any of them. Um, I had to look up the VODs for each of them, uh, which is kind of dumb because those were the things I really wanted to see. But uh, yeah, that's sad that I couldn't. Like I watched most of uh, SGDQ um i had time to do that but handheld heroes i maybe have seen 10 runs in total out of everything that happened over the weekend so it's kind of sad that i had so much to do besides uh, just relaxing and um and just watching some streams um that also of course made me not be able to stream a lot um the only thing i actually really did the past few weeks is that i did my 600 follower special uh which nice. was during my like week of vacation from work um, i had three days that i actually could stream for a long time so i tried to put some time into that um, strangely enough i did not like go to uh game boy games for that one like last year i did my 500 follower special which was uh tiny time one through five um back to back i only managed to get to, uh, to the end of four because just when i started five uh, twitch actually kicked me off for some reason and i couldn't get back online anymore so uh but i was 12 hours in already and i was pretty tired so maybe that was a good <laughs> thing um but yeah for my special um i i played uh what is it called brave fencer musashi on uh PS one, which is uh, an amazing game. Uh, I had never played it before, mostly because it didn't come out in Europe. Um, so it took me a while to get to that game, but I'm really glad I played. It, it was a lot of fun. It's a very, uh, um, funny game. Um, of course it is a PlayStation one game, a 3d platformer, um, the games weren't that good at three D then yet, so was sometimes a little bit hard to control. Um, but I did do one thing that is Game Boy related, and that's that I played the um, Links Awakening DX Randomizer, um, and that was just so much fun. Like. Um, We're probably going to do an episode about that in the future. Maybe even get the creator of that saver, um, on the podcast as like a guest. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Um, It's not publicly released yet, but it's easy to find if you want to check it out definitely do that. They are constantly working on newer versions. There's an amazing tracker for it already as well, uh, which helps a lot of course, for the game, uh. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I did, and then the past few days I've been playing Octopath Traveler as well, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was watching you play uh, LADX Randomizer, and I didn't realize it was Randomizer until you opened up a chest and got, like, the Nightmare Key out of it. And I'm like, the Nightmare Key isn't in that chest. Like, I don't run (laughs) LADX all that much anymore, but, like... I know where the nightmare key is at and it's not in that chest. So I was very confused at first and I realized I'm like, Oh, you're playing randomizer LADX. Okay. Yeah, it's it's so much it fun. Looks fun. Like,
0: um the thing is, um it's it's still a little bit um underdeveloped i guess um so the random chest things don't really work unless you also do random doors uh, which means every door of a house or a cave entrance or even a dungeon entrance you go through just puts you somewhere completely random on the map so you never know where you're gonna end up um (laughs) which makes it seem hard but actually it's not if if you really know um just how the overworld works a little bit uh in link's awakening um but the one thing uh which is kind of detrimental to the game is that you want to get the feather as fast as possible because 99% of the game is just like literally based around being able to jump um, and that was the final item I got during the entire uh, randomizer that run rough. so it uh, took me a while to actually get the
1: game going eh? so
0: but yeah it was a lot of fun definitely check that out.
1: Yeah I mean Link's Awakening is pretty much you want the Rock feather you want the hook shot and then you want the fire the fire rod and then you're pretty much done like you, you have everything you could possibly want the other stuff is just extra <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: literally the final chest i opened that i found in the overworld was the rock's fetter so uh, i hadn't been able to complete any dungeon because i didn't have the rock's wow. fetter
1: so that's insane for the for the for the photos you have to take in that game are they all random as well so like the one where the the one by like the weather vane where you have to have like meryl and yourself and i forgot the, the other guy's name but they take a picture in front of there. like if, if you take a picture in front of there does it do like the fishing man one or like
0: um i think they actually disabled the entire photo side quest in the game oh really um because i know i entered the shop uh, which is still the shop i think that's the only door that actually leads you to where it is but I, if i remember correctly it actually just uh stops that because it's probably gonna end up ruining the rest of the game or something in the randomizer so i think that's gone um i what i can say is um you better play it either on emulator or on um Game Boy, wait, what is it called? Game Boy interface on your GameCube or something like that. Because of course there's a color dungeon, (laughs) which you absolutely cannot access on a Super Game Boy um, or a Super Game Boy 2. Um, I got lucky enough that no necessary item was actually in the dungeon. Uh, because I was playing on my Super Game Boy 2, so I never was able to actually enter that thing. Um, but yeah, so better better play it on that because otherwise you might just soft lock yourself completely out of progressing through the game.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, that that whole like I'm not a big like randomizer person. Like I kind of like scoff at randomizers quite a bit. But that randomizer looked that that random magical actually looked enjoyable because i do like link's awakening quite a bit so
0: yeah i like that's the only one i've ever played besides um the pretty vanilla uh what's it called link to the past one uh which just randomizes the chests um that was fun because oh, yeah. I I, li- I like that game a lot as well. And I know a lot about that game as well. So it was pretty easy to get through. Uh, but this one, Link's Awakening, is one of my top three Game Boy games of all time. So I know it pretty much by heart. And it was really fun to get through. It only took me eight hours, which is pretty much uh, my time. It takes me to uh, casually 100% the game anyway. So it, it wasn't like much more effort than that. For me, at least. Yeah, it's actually not too bad at all. Yeah, I was surprised that it went so well, besides the rock feather, of course. But hey, once I got that, I just, the only thing I had left to do is literally do all the dungeons one after another. So I knew where they all were. So it
1: was easy to get through those. Well, cool. So uh, yeah, when we come back, uh, let's uh, let's dive into Rubble Saver 2, AKA Max, and we'll talk about why the names are different. so this game this game never came to America so I guess we should do a little history so this Rubble Saver 2 obviously is going to have a prequel because you know the the 2 in the title uh, Rubble Re- Saver 1 came out in Japan um, Did was it Rubble Saver 1 or was it Adventure of Star Saver in Europe do you remember? do you know Mo? I'm pretty sure it's Adventure of Star Saver here as well okay so in America and in Europe, Rubble Saver One came out as a Ventures Star Saver. Uh, pretty unheard of game as well. Um, Definitely, it's it's a pretty. I don't want to call it a bad game. Like it's like I've played bad Game Boy games. Like it's not bad, but it's awkward. To, to play um, the controls are not very intuitive. There's a lot of like power-ups that you just don't know what's happening um, but regardless like so We have rubble saver 2 now rubble saver 2 never came out in America I'm assuming because the adventure of star saver may have done, may have not sold as well or When they were making this game. They probably thought like yeah, it's probably not gonna sell very well in America So let's just not even port it over to there Um but instead, Europe also got this game under the under the name Max. For I I don't know what reason whatsoever. But like it, it came out in 1992, which was which is the year after uh, Adventure of Star Saver, and it was developed by A Wave. The issue is is that the 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 game itself is kind of controlled by two different companies depending on the region you're in. So, like in Japan, you had King Records, which never really published anything for for video games, but they were more on the side of composing. And you had Max, which was from Infogrames, which there's a whole lot of stuff. At least in Europe, I think they had like comics and stuff like that from from Infogrames. So it's kind of a it's it's a bit of a weird game in terms of like in terms of the of the locale where it was released.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely weird because like, um, like King Records is really a records company. So it's been around since 1931. Um, it's one of the few companies in uh, Japan that's actually not been uh, bought up by another multinational company. Uh, they're housed in Tokyo. Um, but yeah, it's weird that they release games. And it's also probably because of that that we cannot find any information about the actual composer of the music in well either of the games um, it's probably just developed by an internal team at King Record Studios and um, they never mentioned who actually uh, got around to making uh, the sounds or anything like that Like I'm 100% sure uh, Infogrames did not make the music at all because that's usually by Gonzales um, and he has like a very distinct style that you recognize immediately so that's definitely yeah. not his work um but yeah it's, it's it's weird that they um only released the first one in uh in the usa as well actually or in europe i'm actually not really even sure if it's uh got released in Europe, the first one. Um, but yeah for the second one, they they kind of did some weird stuff. Uh, calling it Max for an instance in Europe uh, is something that's also a little bit hard to explain. Um, in the first game, your the protagonist' name, according to the manual, is called Kevin. Um, <laughs> and he's trying to save his sister. Which is okay by me, but if you look at the hut in the first game, you actually do see that he's called Max, because that's basically what's in the hut. Um, So they just took the Max name for well, the second game in Europe, instead of just calling it Adventures of Star Saver. Where does the Star Saver come, fo- come from? Nobody really knows that either because it's not about saving stars at all, at least not the first game. The second one kind of is. Um, but it, it's, it's just such a weird game and it's so hard to find any good information about it. Uh, maybe we can find a Japanese manual for both of them, no, none of us could be able to read it anyway. So, um, it's it's really hard to find a coherent story about this
1: game. I was actually like, I I I spent a few hours, like trying to find um just a manual or just like a basic write up of the game. Like I couldn't even I could not find anything when it came to like the plot or the manual or nothing. So I was like, well, let's hop on eBay, you know, or something to see if I can find like a game with the manual. And I, just, I realized that, like, if, big if, if you can find the game on eBay, it's like, oh, that's like a $200
0: game. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, <laughs> you can be sure that it didn't sell well at all because it's also pretty unheard of everywhere. Uh, I think our uh, teammate, Granon Hero, actually bought a uh, complete inbox copy of that. So he will have a manual. So I'm actually... Kind of wondering if he has an English manual or that is just like what I could find the German translation on the back of the cover so I don't know where it all uh, got released in Europe. I've never seen it before. Like Not in the wild, not when I was a child, never. Um, So I did manage to find some stuff about the plot um, when looking at the actual case of the game. Um, So I could read the back of it, which was in German. um, And I translated it because I am from Belgium. Our three main languages of this country are Dutch, French and German. So I kind of have some knowledge about the language Um, and I'll uh, go into that a little bit later um i'll actually read the german uh thing for you i'm gonna piss off so many germans because i can't <laughs> really read it um but <laughs> we'll see how that goes and then i'll translate it it's, uh after that so we'll see about that i do want to talk a little bit more about infogrames because you said they have some comics um it's actually not true it's it's uh, a little bit different. Uh, Infogrames is a French um, game company. At least they were called Infogrames until Atari bought them. Now they're just called Atari SA, which I don't know what the SA actually stands for. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you know that, BBC
1: I have no uh, clue.
0: I don't know. As SA, as it sounds to me like South Africa but or South America, but that doesn't make sense because, well, France is in Europe. Uh, but anyways, uh, Infogrames, they actually wanted to call their company Zbupsystem, uh, which roughly translates to dick system in English. Um, but their legal uh, advisors said, yeah, probably best not to do that at all. Uh, but most people know Infogrames for, first of all, their logo, which is a cool armadillo I think it has rainbow colors as well, if I remember correctly. Um, but all the games they ever produced when uh, well, back in the 90s were all based on Franco Belgian comic. Uh, books so they didn't make the comics themselves they're just based on them um like you have uh tin tin you have asterix you have smurfs you have Spiru, and many others and i will dive into that in another light episode later i'll uh, talk a little bit about those games because they're not that great or anything they're just really mediocre platformers uh usually but that's not something for another
1: episode yeah so i, I just did a quick look up on essay it's uh French, apparently. Uh, I don't know French very well, so like, Saki <laughs> okay. so- 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 Societe Anonyme, uh,
0: anonymous ano- anonymous association. That doesn't really make sense, but all right.
1: I I have no idea. Yeah, I like I, I'm not a French speaker. I I can barely get my way around German and Swedish, so <laughs> I can barely speak English. And that's my native tongue, so. <laughs> Yeah, um, i understand that so yeah so infogrames is kind of a they're kind of a cool company honestly like i i shudder a bit when i see the armadillo and i'm like oh, this game is gonna be it's not gonna be great it's not gonna be bad it's just gonna be so average that i'm just gonna like regret it when i get to the final level type deal mm-hmm. um Absolutely. but asterix is actually a per- pretty decent game though asterisk isn't too bad
0: most of their games are pretty decent but the the best thing about them is that they had uh gonzalez as a composer who made amazing music for all of those games so that really put them uh put
1: them forward into their game making business yeah most of the music for infogrames was top-notch in my opinion um but i mean i'll dive into a bit about the uh the king records here so king records is the company that helped publish it in japan and like we said earlier like they weren't they're not big into the gaming industry like they pretty much started this in uh the 80s and early 90s they did a lot of stuff like the msx they did a few things for the game boy but they're, they're they're still around like 2016 they like restructured their entire entire brand basically so like The way King Records was done was like everything was under the King Records label, Uh, all their anime films, all of their gaming uh, music and everything else regarding to that. Obviously music. And then as time progressed, like they obviously they pretty much stopped doing video game stuff pretty much after the surge of the Super Nintendo Game Boy Genesis in the early 90s. They kind of dropped off the chart when it came to video game stuff. But they kept they kept producing more anime um, music and things of that nature, which uh, which then broke that company off. So that, now there's a sub-brand just for anime under King Records. So King Records is still up and up and running even, even now. Um, but they were in charge of the music with Rebel Saver 1. And the music in the game... Mo and I were talking about this a little bit earlier behind the scenes, is that... The music of the game isn't great, but it's not bad. It's so average that it's forgettable yeah. <laughs> it, it really does
0: not have any um like components to it that gets stuck in your head, so you would be singing it after you've played the game or anything it's It's just really really slim down versions of songs
1: yeah, it's uh. I, I really like 45 second chip tunes. I just go on loop over and over again. And like in your head you may think, oh god, 8-bit chip tunes, that sounds awful, that it gets repeated so much. Like the music's not bad. Like the there isn't like a hard cut, like you know, in some really bad NES games, like after like a 30 second loop, you can you can hear the hard cut of that clip being done and it just re looping again. It all the music in this game blends very well with each other. It's just it's so basic that you just you you can't hum it. You can't think of it in your head at all. Like it's just so basic that it's just it's forgettable. It's not bad. It's not good. It's it's very very average.
0: Yeah, like I played uh, Max just before this uh, recording of the podcast actually, and I have no idea how the music sounds like anymore. I just do not know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I speed ran the game. I gave the game a base route. I've ran it in a marathon, and I could not tell you how any of the music went at all yeah so like it just all blends <laughs> together so <laughs> yeah just
0: enjoy the music when you hear it during this episode i guess um i i don't know if if it gets stuck in your head please let us know if it does but, um yeah i i don't know like i'll be listening to this podcast myself uh, as a test before like releasing it and then I'm, oh yeah this song is in the game but besides that i wouldn't know
1: yeah like, I know my chat be like, well, we heard this song before, and it's, like, the title entry of the of the game. I'm like, you have? I'm like, it all just <laughs> sounds the same to me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, pretty much. Um, if I remember correctly, though, a lot of music gets reused during the game, so um, a lot of levels do have the same exact music and stuff like that, and even the overworld map has the same music as some levels. Uh,
1: I think it's something like that. I think there's only, like, three or four actual, like, Chip tunes throughout the entire game but yeah they're recycled a lot yeah
0: and for such a short game that's pretty weird actually but maybe that has something to do that uh that king records had to just come up with some music on the fly uh to put in a game or something i don't know
1: maybe i know they had a, it was it's similar to like it's similar to um adventure star saver as well because like again the the controls of that game were were Not bad, but they were very awkward. However, the music, composed by the same company, wasn't awful, but it wasn't great to get it. It fell right in that that gray area again. Like It was different than Max's, but I couldn't tell you what was different about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how average it was. Yeah,
0: maybe there's even songs that got reused throughout the two games that I I couldn't tell (laughs) you.
1: No idea. But... Uh, outside of the audio, something to note and we've talked about this in solar striker the previous episode um the box art like i'm looking at the box art right now between rebel saver 2 and max mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> the max box art it's 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 pretty laughable yeah honestly. it's amazingly uh, horrible actually <laughs>
0: I'm 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 really sad about that box art because some of the European box art is pretty
1: dope, but this one is just like I don't know. It's like a mixture of a plumber, some guy in a rock suit, and space. Invaders. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's really weird, like if, if people are looking up the uh the actual covers while uh, listening to the podcast if you look at the japanese one uh, you can see your mech suit you can see that you're probably somewhere on an alien planet fighting some kind of robot snake um but it looks cool it 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 makes you feel like you're going on an adventure in space if you look at max cover however (laughs) you see his child form that is uh, when you're out of the suit. Why would you go with that in the first place? Um, he has some kind of laser blaster in his hand that looks like uh, something that cut cut out of a Star Wars uh, movie. Uh, one it of the it kind of looks like ones. a toilet. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually kind of look like a toilet. Yeah, no, it looks like a toilet. <laughs> yeah, and together
0: together with the. Plumbing uh, with, the, with the plunger, the on, plunger top, yeah. on top. Yeah, like <laughs> for people who haven't played this game yet, you have some kind of suction cup thingy that you can use to uh, latch onto platforms. But here it just looks like he has a plunger on his head. So it's <laughs> it's really really weird.
1: Yeah. So to give you guys some context here, like Mo was saying, so the max cover art for your for the European version, like the back the background, think of like the Space Invaders cover. For Game Boy, oh, NES, yeah. arcade, whatever. You have a very like they try to make like a 3D perspective type thing, but it's a flat plane. It's the exact same background as that with a with a building off in the background. Who knows what that building even <laughs> is? And then you have you have Max, who we'll get in more into the gameplay later. Has has three, I guess forms. We'll call it for right now. And they chose to the, they chose his weakest form as as like the main focus of the cover and he has his blaster gun out which kind of looks like a toilet uh, On top of his head like Mo was saying there's like a grappling hook that you can do to latch onto platforms Well, it looks like a to- it looks like a bathroom plunger coming off of his head right now um, Everything like really blends together too. like the color contrast isn't very good either like everything really like Blends together like you can't really see the contouring lines once you get towards like the middle of the box Versus like the Japanese cover, the Japanese cover, like Mo was saying, is you're in, you're in full mech suit. Like you're in your, your best form in the game with your, with, and you have guns for arms. Like you're ready, you're ready to, to just beat some ass pretty much. And then you're on this, you're on this planet, you're on this ship. And in the background, you see this robot snake come attack you, which is cool because that robot snake is actually a boss in stage three or four, I believe. So it's kind of neat. They already pull like an element of the game into this cover. It's very vibrant. There's a lot of colors going on. And like the Rubble Saver 2 is like in this like cracked stone, like coming up into Max's suit. Like it looks so cool versus the Max cover.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I d- I really don't know who made the Max cover, but um, I hope they uh, they achieved a lot in life after that because this <laughs> this is definitely not something you want on your portfolio when applying for a job anywhere <laughs> as a graphic artist. Uh, it's it's just but
1: it cat the Nintendo
0: Seal of Quality. It, <laughs> uh, it does, it does. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sorry if the artist is listening to this. <laughs> Please. Uh, contact us on twitter or something like that but i really want to know what uh, went through your head when doing this or if it was yeah. just your uh superior saying oh no it has to be like this because well french people they are pretty weird so um sorry french people who are listening <laughs> but yeah this this is just an awful awful cover
1: yeah it's not good but aside from the cover I mean do you want to talk about the plot a little bit it's it's a weird plot it's very different from the first one
0: yeah so like I said before in the first one um, the story goes that your little sister gets kidnapped by something um, that's about all I could find and you're out to save them and you're still just a little kid by then so you're what like 10 years old or maybe 8 years old or something like that so you're, so you're really just a little kid going into space and you find some kind of uh, mech suit that wants to help you out uh, in order to rescue your sister so um, this plot actually kind of reminisces on that Um, I don't know how I don't know why because I yeah, I you'll you'll hear it when I uh, say the English version. Um, there is one part of it that does not make any sense whatsoever. Um, so yeah, well, I'll I'll go with the German one first. So that's the one on the back cover of the Max um, box art. So <clears throat> here goes my best German. Der um, Abschauklichen Drakor hat Hunter de seiner Ferenge Monster in die galaxies geschickt, und die gesamte Bevölkerung ist bedroht. Doch Max, unser Held ist nicht und sonst ein Kind geblieben. Seinen Plan, die sieben Planeten zu so befreien, führt er mit viel Humor Humor Humor. See, that's a word I don't know how to pronounce in German. Uh, und Fantasy aus. Mit Hilfe einer unglaublichen Ausrüstung, teleskopischer Saugnapf, tragbare Reaktoren, Schutzanzug, fordert Max die Fiende heraus und scheut von keinen Abenteuer zurück. So groß die Gefahr auch mach sein mag. So, yeah, that was the German one. That went, that went pretty well.
1: That was pretty yeah. good, yeah. I think the
0: only... T- uh, uh, Abenteuer. Uh, Abenteuer? Uh, see, now I'm trying... Now i, mi- I mixed mix in English and German. Abenteuer. That's it. There we go. All right. So, yeah, that was a German one. So, I translated it, I uh, asked some help of PLD, who is actually German. Um, He told me that I did a pretty good job, so I was glad. But yeah, the English one (laughs) is the vile Drakkar as hundreds of his remote-controlled monsters sent to the galaxy which threatens the entire population. But Max, our hero, hasn't remained a child in vain. His plan to free the seven planets, he leads with much humor and imagination. With the help of some incredible equipment, a telescopic suction cup, portable reactors and a protective suit, Max takes takes on the challenge, not shying away from any adventure, whatever the danger may be. So yeah, that gives you pretty much a good plot. Um, The only weird part is that one sentence, but Max, our hero, hasn't remained a child in vain. Does he have a choice to remain a child? Like, where does that (laughs) come from? Like, There is no explanation about that whatsoever. Uh ocarian time man he went to the he went to the yeah, like, time. like i was trying to look up the actual plot of the first one like maybe he got that suit uh prevents him from growing up or something and then it also doesn't make sense that yeah he hasn't remained a child in vain so otherwise he can't fit into the thing so he can't save the galaxy like it's just like the cover just like everything that's uh, <laughs> the history behind this
1: <laughs> game it's just weird it's it's interesting to connect the two together because they're such they're so different, but yet there are a couple of like points that do connect them together, like the mech suit. The mech suit in one looks just like the mech suit in the second one, definitely. However, however, the mech suit power ups in the first one are vastly different than the power ups in the mech suit in the second one. So, like, is it the same mech suit? Did he upgrade the mech suit? Is it a completely different mech suit? Is it a completely different person than <laughs> Kevin? You know, like. Yeah, who is <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> like, <laughs> and who is Mech? Uh, like, it's, it's so
0: weird. Yeah, if it is the same mech suit, he must have done an upgrade to it. Because in the first one, is a grappling hook you have. Uh, and in yeah, this it's like one, a, it's, it's like a an arrow. Cup, so, that's already different for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a bizarre game. And, like, Rubble Saver 1 is, like, going into a little bit of a gameplay. Rubble Saver 1, like, you don't get to choose, like, the level. You don't even get to really see the next level. It's like once you've got sucked into this door, black hole, like, you per you moved on to the next level, and you had to be ready to rock and roll pretty much right then and there. With, with Rubble Saver 2, it's... I thought there were satellites at first. I didn't know there were planets until now. Um <laughs> because on the in the overall screen they look like satellites. And then when you defeat them they look like broken satellites. Right. Yeah. But but the 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 world is broken up like when you first start the game if you pay very close attention it says stage 0 at the very bottom of the screen for like maybe a second. Oh, really? And that's because Max is like in the center of the overall which I think it's the headquarters or like that, maybe that building that we saw on the max cover sheet. Um, But you start off on the left side of the screen and you can choose between the first three levels and which ones you want to start with. You can actually choose those levels, but you can't jump to the other side on the right side until you've beaten those three levels. And then once you're on the right hand side, you can choose between the last four levels of the game. Mind you, this game only has seven levels and they're very, very short stages. Um so it's it's really interesting to see like the the change you know in the actual gameplay as well because in rubble saver one you had to have like the power up in order to use the grappling hook like you had to have like the arrow or whatever yeah, right. the power up looked like in order to use the grappling hook to pull you out of a pit versus rubble saver two you now have this built-in suction cup where you just press up on the d-pad and you just suction right up to, you know, whatever bottom of the platform that you're trying to get to. Um, so it's a very different dynamic of, like, the gameplay itself as well. Weapon power-ups are, are pretty vastly different, too. The power-up system in Rubble Saver 2 is is it's a very unique one, and, and I want to get into that a bit later. But the power-up system in Rubble Saver 1 was basically, like, if you lost your power-up in Rubble Saver 1 you were kind of screwed because, like, that game was very unforgiving when it came to destroying sprites. Like, you would break a sprite, you would break one sprite, and that sprite would break out into three other sprites. And if you weren't ready for it, you were taking a hit or you were dying. Like, it was tough.
0: It is, but luckily, in the first one, and this is probably the only reason why it's so easy actually to get through the game is there are two power-ups in the first game one is a lion hat and the other is some kind of triangle that bounces around
1: it's like the triforce yeah yeah.
0: both of those give you invulnerability for a pretty long time which makes (laughs) you be able to just (laughs) you just run through everything um which is great because actually fighting enemies causes another problem with the first game which is the lag um if you've ever played a nintendo 64 game uh you know those run at 12 to 24 frames per second this one probably runs even slower than that any action you do any action you take any jump you make any shot you fire and every enemy on the screen causes a lag which makes the game
1: run super super slow yeah i mean rubble saver 2 is is no angel in that regard either like there are plenty of areas in Rebel Saver Two where, like that game, will drop down to about five frames a second easily. If you in rubble Saver Two, when you get to the final boss, and we'll talk about power ups a bit later, when you get to that final boss, it is a bullet hell. Like there are very little places to be safe on that screen because you have three heads shooting bullets at you, at your location. So, and you ha- if you have the fireball power up. Like when you shoot this thing, you can only shoot it. You can only have one on the screen at a time. But when it hits, it's it's a piercing shot, so it goes through the enemy. And every time you hit an enemy, it makes it makes some sort of sound or some sort of animation of it being hit. So along with like. 20 30 bullets on the screen plus your guy plus shooting this fireball plus some animation of hitting the boss like this game will just shut down to about two two to three frames a second until you start el- eliminating some of those sprites on the screen like it is a nightmare at times to play the game definitely so yeah i guess uh we can talk about some of the i don't know i guess we can talk about some of the some of the reception of the game um like like we were saying before the game the game. I don't want to. I don't know if I want to call it an uncommon game, but not many people have seemed to have played this game. And those that have played the game, have given it a pretty average rating. Um, it's, and in my opinion, it's not a great game. It's not an awful game. But it's one of those games that you'll play it. You may remember it for a couple months, and then you're gonna forget that you've ever played the game. Um, as a speedrunner of the game. I can say that the game is pretty average as well. Um, typically, when people speed run games, you know, they they swear like, oh, you, must, you have to love the game to pour hours and hours into it. Yeah, okay, kind of true. But for me, I like to play bad games or games that just no one's ever heard of. So like when I've played this game, I'm like, oh, this game's kind of a cool speed run right off the get-go. And then after a while, like after playing it for so long, I'm like, this game really doesn't have much redeeming factors to it. It's kind of a boring game. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, it's one of those games, like, you pick
0: it up, you've never played it before, the mechanics are pretty simple to understand. At, at least the second one is Max's. Yeah. Um, and, and you play it for half an hour and you finish the game and you're like, well, okay, I've had fun for 30 minutes, uh, let's move on to a better game. <laughs> but um, at least you're not sad that you had to, to get through the game or anything, it's just... Just something to uh, spend your time on very quickly and just move on.
1: Yeah, and the game is super short. Like, I think I blindly beat the game in 20 minutes. So, yeah. Uh, oh, I guess I do want to talk about the, uh, some more uh, data points between Rebel Saver 1 and 2. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, Moe, but in stage 1 of Rebel Saver 2, the rabbits on the ground? Yeah. Those those rabbits are the same rabbits in in the first game as well. So if oh okay, if, yeah.
0: I played them back to back recently and I didn't even know. Oh that. really?
1: So in Rebel Savior One, like I mentioned earlier, when you break a sprite, there's a chance for them to like explode into like three or four different sprites. So right away in stage one, if you shoot, I think it's like the first enemy or whatever it is, um, they break out into three rabbits, three or four oh, rabbits, right. and yeah. those rabbit sprites are one hundred percent identical. To the rubble saver, two <laughs> rabbit sprites in stage one and three <laughs> so that is that
0: is pretty cool but i'm kind of sad that they went for that enemy um and not for the dog from the first Dude, one the because dog he's was probably awesome. the most he's the most memorable character in the entire first game um there's there's like for people who haven't played that game yet there's like a dog and when you're in front of him he will just sit there uh, and, and laugh at you, I guess. of <laughs> yeah. uh But when you jump over him, he uh, gets crazy and he starts coming after you. And he takes a lot of hits to take down as well. So he's kind of like a mid-boss. Uh, and he shows up in like pretty much every level of the game. So it's really memorable to see. Uh, it's sad that they didn't put this guy in, in the second game, actually.
1: Yeah, the dog was really cool. So in the first stage if you glitched out the boss in the first stage, you can actually keep the dog on the screen barking at you while you fight the boss. It's it's pretty humorous, <laughs> yeah. honestly.
0: And it, yeah, this is a cool dog. Like, yeah. you do not expect him to fight you because he's just standing there and you're shooting at him. Doesn't hurt him at yeah, all. He's just so a You good just boy. jump over him and then he suddenly just bites you in your ass.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> It's a good boy. Then all of a sudden he turns into a bad boy. <laughs> so yeah, when we come back... uh. Mo and I will give uh, our thoughts, our history of the game. All right, so now that we're back, um, I guess I'll give my brief, my hot take of this game. Um I did this game for my system challenge and I, for the, I've I've done my I've done I've done my Game Boy Challenge for two years, three years now, I can't remember how long. And I've always scrolled past Max. I've always scrolled past game, like Max, I'm like, what the, heck, what the heck kind of game is that? I honestly thought when I first saw the name it was a homebrew or a ROM pack of a sort. <laughs> and I'm like, oh okay, I just kept rolling, just kept scrolling down it and then uh, within the last year, I did some research on Rubble Saver One, Rubble Saver Two, and realized that Max was the European version of Rubble Saver Two. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it is a real game. Cool. And then uh, within like the last like two months, I was like looking for a game to play for Game Boy Adventure, and uh, like we were in between games. I'm like, I'm gonna look for a really short game because I don't want to like start a long game with Sgdq coming up and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm like, let's try out Max, and. Uh, yeah, I played it, beat it in like twenty minutes blind. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a neat game. So I was like, I'm like, oh, let's try, let's play Rubble Saver One right afterwards. And I, I was mad the entire time I played Rubble <laughs> Saver One. Like I was like, you can like if you went back and watched my stream, like you can visually see me get upset playing Rubble Saver One after playing Rubble Saver Two. Like that's how that's how <laughs> different the gameplay is between the two games. Um but once I once I started playing Rebel saver 1, I started understanding like the game at its core. Like I started understanding how the physics work. I started understanding how the control scheme worked. Um, I started understanding like how health refills and how, how the weapon power-up system, like how all of that started to work. And then it it got it get, it get eventually a little bit better. Um But like diving into this, like Rebel saver 2 actually reverse rebel saver one when you get hit once you've hit once, you lose your mech suit and you're and you're just a little kid. You have to collect an icon that's like a p icon which a p power up power i get I don't know it turns into a mech suit and it takes like a second and a half for this kid to climb into the mech suit and be ready to rock and roll again in rebel saver one. Versus Rebel Saver 2, you have kind of like three hit points. Uh, you get hit once, you lose your windshield. You get hit twice, you lose your mech suit. You get hit a third time, you turn into an angel and die. In um, this game, Rebel Saver 2, when you collected a, a P icon again, they didn't change it. You just get your health back instantly. Like, you don't have to wait for the kid to climb into the mech suit. So you don't have to wait for the windshield to come down and bolt onto the mech suit. It's like, as soon as you collect that P, you're ready to go again. Um, and same with the weapon power-up system. I don't remember too much of the weapon power-up system in Rebel Saver 1. Um, Mo might remember a bit more about it. But in Rebel Saver 2, you have three shots, basically. You start off with what I call the P-Shooter, uh, which is you shoot three three bullets on the screen at a time in very rapid fire. Uh, then you have this second gun, called the I call it the alternate shot, where... If you shoot once, it could go straight. Your second shot's going to go to angle. Your third shot's going to go straight again. Like, you don't shoot. They don't go off at the same time. So you have to understand what bullet's about to come out of your gun next. And then your third power-up's like this fireball, which in hindsight may seem like a great power-up, but everything already dies in one hit anyway in the game. So it, the only thing that fire the fireball is really good for is that it goes through walls. But if you collect another weapon, so if you already have the fireball as a weapon upgrade, if you collect another weapon upgrade, you actually downgrade back to the pea shooter, which is kind of a neat concept, honestly.
0: I'm not a fan of that one, but. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like that really. Um, I always feel like once you got the biggest one you should stick to that. Or make different icons for the different weapons so you can like ch- choose between them. Um so you can choose what is best for what situation or something like that. But uh just like literally downgrading, um, I don't think that's that's a pretty good idea.
1: I guess as I guess looking back casually, I kept the fireball the entire time. Like when I when I realized that it downgraded me, I got mad. But as a speedrunner of the game, it's pretty nice to be able to downgrade to that P-Shooter because that P-Shooter lets us like fast kill most of the bosses in the game. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> that is definitely a difference between uh, Rebel Saver 1 and 2 as well. Um, most bosses in Rebel Saver 1 actually take quite a while because of uh, their invulnerability frames and stuff like that or their patterns where you just... Totally cannot hit them at all. Um, in Rebel Saver 2, you can basically just uh, mash through all the bosses.
1: Yeah, I will say, like what Mo was just saying, Rebel Saver 1 bosses, I would rank them. Way above the, the Rubble Saver 2 bosses. Like, the Rubble Saver 1 bosses actually took some thought and a little bit of skill to actually fight them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you either had to wait for a shield to go down, you had to wait for them to, like, get in a certain position or open up, a, open up a hatch where they were shooting from, but you have to shoot that hatch as well, so you have to, like, dodge some shots while shooting at them. Like, Rubble Saver 1 bosses actually took a bit of trial to to defeat them versus Rubble Saver 2 is if you had the fireball upgrade you pretty much just shoot it twice and they're dead um but i mean what, what what do you do but the level design in rebel saver 2 in my opinion is way better than the level design in rebel saver 1
0: yeah, very much so. There in in uh Rebel Saver 1, um, it's usually just really a straightforward plane. You move from left to right. Um there's not much platforming about it besides jumping over pits. Um in Rebel Saver 2, you do kind of have to like go up on the screen to a higher level or down on the screen and stuff like that or even figure out mazes uh, later on. Yeah. Um so that's definitely a lot better. Yeah,
1: yeah um uh... I don't remember, it's like the second or third to last stage in Rebelsaver 1, there's these blinking platforms that you have to jump on, and I didn't notice that they were blinking, like, I couldn't see the blinking on my CRT, and I'm, like, shooting this thing, jumping around like an idiot, and, like, sometimes, magically, the door would open, I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird, and then I realized, I went back and looked at my stream, and I realized that the platforms were blinking, but not on my CRT, so I was like, oh, that's Strange so I'm like what if I just moved over so I was watching my stream while playing rubble saver one and like jumping on these flashing platforms and things were happening I'm like oh Okay, so these things actually happen if you do this But I just couldn't see it on my CRT which I actually think is kind of a neat thing as well Like it puts a little bit of a puzzle element Into the game as well Like you can kind of brute force your way through some of those sections where with the uh, the arrow thing that you had in rubble saver one to swing across the pit um, but rumble Saver 2 really didn't have anything like that. The biggest puzzle, quote-unquote puzzle, they had was stage 3, which is the colony stage, where you had to kill every enemy in the screen to open a open an exit door to move on to the next screen. Uh, versus every other level in the game, you don't have to kill a single enemy. Like, typically, in the speedrun, you jump over most of them because when you shoot, you slow down. So
0: yeah uh, speaking about those blinking platforms that's definitely something uh, that was an issue when i first played the game they do not only activate when you jump on them which is also uh, in between (laughs) quotes because um, (laughs) i still haven't figured out how you actually need to jump on them Uh, i just keep spamming jump until they actually work after a while so i'm not sure how they work exactly Uh, but there are also some that you have to shoot uh, in order for them to activate, definitely during six stage six or seven when you're in that castle and you have to lower the draw bridge oh, and yeah, stuff like that. that uh, but but yeah, the, it's it's a really weird mechanic and it definitely put a hinder during my first time <laughs> playing through the game because I also had no idea what was going on and I did see the blinking platform. So
1: yeah, I another thing to like take into consideration too is that Rubble Saver one and two they don't have continues. Um, once you're dead, once you're dead, you start the whole game over again, which doesn't seem like a big deal. Like they are for relatively short games, but the difficulty like spike in Rebel Saver one, especially when you get to the final stage, like you have to go through a gauntlet of like three or four bosses along with other things that are trying to kill you as well. So it's a, it's a bit of a run through versus Rebel Saver two. You kind you kind of like pick and choose what levels you want to go to like, Oh, I'm really bad at this level. Maybe I'll do this one first, or I'm really good at this level. Maybe I'll do this one first. Um, but a, a fun thing about the game is the Rubble Saver One. If you don't have the little arrow power up guy to like to grab a hold of the platform and you fall into a pit, I believe you just straight up die in Rubble Saver One. Right. In Rubble Saver Two, you have a thing. Uh, I think they call them portable reactors. I call them the thrusters. Um, mm-hmm. where if you fall into a pit in Rubble Saver Two, you don't necessarily die. You like activate this jetpack that you can like to, like rocket yourself out of a pit, and you're 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 fine. You're safe. Nothing nothing bad happens unless you are out of reactors. If you're out of thrusters or reactors, whatever you want to call them, and you fall into a pit, you're sure you're dead. But um, the only part that really like really comes into play is. The final stage we have to like pretty much suction cup all the way across it or have like f- four or five uh, Reactors to get across it without without problem um, But other than that like pits are usually not a huge issue in Rebel saver 2 um, But there is some platforming um, That is actually pretty fun to navigate through um, Stage Four I think it is whatever the quote-unquote ocean stage is um, We have like squids and stuff coming at you and birds Oddly enough, um, that level is actually really, really fun to like play through because there's so many areas that you can like go through platforms on with your suction cup. So if you think of uh, Bionic Commando, wow, I'm gonna put Bionic Commando in this podcast now. Apparently, <laughs> wow, yeah. so if you have ever played Bionic Commando, you know that whenever you throw like your your latching hook out and you go up to the uh, platform, if you press up again, he cl- they, he climbs up onto that platform that he was latched onto. Kind of a similar concept in Rubble Saver 2 where if you latch onto a bottom of a platform and press up again, you'll actually climb through the platform and be on top of it again. So it's kind of a it's kind of, it's kind of neat on how you can use some of that to for your advantage. Um using the physics with the grappling hook or the suction cup room call it is actually really it's actually really tedious and tough. You you suction cup you can't be close to the roof or the top of a platform because if your mech suit hits the top of a platform, you get shot down, uh, similar to that of like Mario or something. Like if you hit if you hit the ceiling of like a Mario game or like a um, Zelda two or wherever it is, you you get pushed down at a faster rate than you would just falling. Similar concept on that as well. Um, so you have to have like that sweet spot of perfectly between like the ceiling and your grappling hook, and keep holding right or left, and try and like make yourself swing over pits or things of that nature. Like it's a little bit tedious, but it's actually fun to do if you can do it correctly. But uh when did you so you you played this for your your challenge mo, right?
0: Yeah, now that I think uh, that's what I've written down, but um, I think actually, before I even started like uh, doing the actual system challenge, um, I think Tiny 10 1 came before that. Um, so I did some research into some games at least by then. Um, I was just going through all of the ROMs I had alphabetically, basically. Um, if anything in two minutes looked interesting, <laughs> interesting enough excuse me um i wrote it down so i think i came across max that way the first time so i did play it before um i don't think i finished it though by then um when john carls was actually speed running adventures of star saver one uh, i did play through that one for the system challenge because he said it was super easy so i was like <laughs> yeah i can use a short game so why not then it took me almost two hours of course yeah because i had no idea how it worked yet and it, the lag was incredible Awful. and like you said the bosses uh, in the first one actually do take some skill um the first time you come across them some of them are really hard to dodge um the ones that come to mind are uh the monkey uh, I don't know which level that is, but he has a weird pattern that you have to get used to to be able to shoot him. Um and then there's the octopus which you have to shoot both tentacles off.
1: Um which was that the one that like made the stream play like, black and you had to like kind of Yeah, yeah the pitch black that one. one was hard. Yeah.
0: It's a really hard one and also I thought I always soft locked the game there because <laughs> um I was shooting him, so one of his Tentacle stopped, I guess, um, and I couldn't hit him anymore. Um, and I could not figure out that you actually had to try and lure him to the left side so you could actually go to the right side and shoot his other arm. Uh, so I really thought I softlocked the game every time there. Luckily, I had enough lives, so I figured it out before I game over it. Uh, <laughs> So that was good. Um, that's, that's the one good thing about uh, Rebel Saver 1, I guess. Um, it's easy to get extra lives as long as you have the uh, suit still on. If you pick up another P, you get an extra life. So you max out on your lives pretty much uh, after stage four already. So that's that's not really a problem. But yeah, that was that was fun. A uh, max, I think I actually played through. A few months ago, I just wanted a short game. I hadn't had much time to stream and I knew it was a pretty simple and short one. So I just did it. Um, but besides that, I had never heard of the game before. I actually thought when I saw the name that it was referring to the other game boy game called monster max. Um, if you know that one, which is like solstice, like, um, how do you call that? Perspective, like the, the side, the angle perspective games it's like
1: the marble it's like the marble madness perspective
0: yeah, yeah yeah like it's it's always at an angle so i always thought max was just an abbreviation of monster max but uh it's a completely different game of course so but yeah i i had fun with max um it is short so that it's really forgettable like we said before um i do like the boss designs a little bit more in the second one just the designs, I'm not talking about the actual boss fights, um, they they just look a lot prettier. Um, they m- mostly uh, fill the entire screen because they're like mechs and stuff like that, which is really cool. So that's something I really like about the second one. <laughs> um, I'm gonna ha- ask Granon Hero how he managed to get one because he only paid uh, around 20 euros for it, oh, for complete God. in-box copy. Uh, meanwhile so like, <laughs> like, yeah it's really really cheap uh, because usually that game goes for definitely more than 120 dollars uh, at least so um, he got really lucky on that um, i I still need it for my collection i do collect all games i do not care about complete in box but uh, um, i would love to get my hands on an actual copy of the game for sure
1: yeah i guess going back to the boss going back to the bosses like i I liked the design of the bosses and like if you actually take the time and like look at the, how the bosses are supposed to be done, like the stage one boss is like this thing hanging from the ceiling, and the only way you're supposed to be able to hit it is if you jump up and like hang from the ceiling and fall down you have to shoot it in between like these like flower things on the corners you have to shoot it right in the middle in between it's kind of a tight shot, but with the fireball, you can shoot through walls basically which means you can shoot through these these flowers that are guarding the core of the boss and you can just shoot right through them and start hitting the boss right away and then if you have the alternate shot you can actually run underneath of the boss and fire And you can actually if you angle angle the shot right you can actually hit the core behind the flower from the ground as well so i don't know if this is like a like like they just like they didn't test this game very well or they didn't like try um like the stage two boss is i call it the dog boss but basically what it does it has two legs and it it lifts up one of its legs and shoots and you're supposed to shoot it while this leg is up again if you have the fireball power up you can shoot through the leg and hit the boss so (laughs) uh, (laughs) so there's a lot of that in the game and i guess i don't know if it was just like they didn't test it. They didn't know that you could do that. Like, maybe they had a person tested that really didn't know anything about the game. Like, it, there's a lot of like disconnect between QA and the actual game itself. So
0: yeah if i would have to place a bet on it i would say it was not properly tested um but you could also say maybe it just really rewards you for having the correct type of weapon for the boss you're at so that could be another explanation for that but i'm still gonna say it just wasn't tested properly
1: yeah it's it's really bizarre and of course we take that to our advantage in the speedrun so Reiterate speed running is not a focus of this podcast by any means. Um Bo and I dabble in it, but I wouldn't consider ourselves the quote unquote full time speedrunners. We just like to play Game Boy games. Um Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I I will sometimes take a game that's not on the speedrun.com leaderboard. Um and I will I will put some time into it. Like I'll 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 play it casually and if I find if I find it to be a fun speedrun I'll throw some time into it, try and make a base route out of it, try and get it down to like a 20-minute time or less, or you know, whatever it is. So someone else be like, oh, this is a fairly short game. Let me see what I can do with it type deal. Um so when I when I did uh when I did um Max, I I was like, okay, well, after i played Rebel Saver 1, I'm like, I'm gonna go back to Max and see how fast I can beat the game now that it's fresh in my head. And I got the game. Like I beat the game again in like 15 minutes. So I'm like, oh okay. So, like, I just kept throwing some more and more time into it. Started to understand more and more about, like, the power-ups, how the movement, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I got the game down to, like, an 11-minute time, basically. And um, rewind a little bit. I ran a handheld Heroes, and Wolf Merrick and Atraz have, have expressed interest in the game after watching me run at the marathon. And within three, four days after the marathon was over – uh Wolfmerk posted a sub a sub-10 time in the game. Like he posted like a 930 something. And then uh today Atros posted like a nine twenty something in his run. So it's really fun to see like people take what you've researched and just like push it, you know more than you could ever thought possible. Like I if I personally only thought that sub eleven was possible. Then I got the sub eleven right before the marathon and I was like, yep, maybe a ten thirty and that's about it. Like seeing Wolf Merrick and atraz run the game now, like a sub nine in the game is super possible with all the stuff that we found. So kudos to those guys. Um Atroz I think is right now the current world record holder, but I I can definitely see Wolf Merrick trying to take that title back. So
0: yeah that's that's always fun to see and that's one of my intentions like i've said before as well like um when we're doing tiny ten and stuff like that it's not just for us for speedrunning games we just try and set a route for like lesser known games so that other people who are actually willing to put time and effort into anything can uh, can actually achieve something great with the games and yeah i've lost what 15 world <laughs> records already because i just was the first one who did the game yeah. i just got a great route uh to start from and other people took it from there and it's always super cool to see and i think other blues um he sh- has shown some interest in this game in the past during their uh their episodes he mentioned them a few times before uh so maybe uh Maybe hearing about this again because he was looking forward to this episode. He said, "Uh, maybe hearing about this, he'll actually dive into the game sometime."
1: Yeah, I would love to see Author Blues and John Carls dive into this game. Um, but John, like, I would like to see what he would do with the game after running, you know, Adventure Star Saver. Like, I would really like to see what his opinions are of Rubble Saver Two, aka Max. And see like how fast he could pull a time down, you know, with better controls and a bit more straightforward um, levels as well. So since he already has experience in the the, the series already, so
0: yeah, in the other one, yeah, yeah, who knows? Maybe we will pick it up soon after hearing this episode. It Would be cool. More It'd, runners is always good.
1: Be great. We already have three on the leaderboard right now, so. Keep, yeah. keep it keep it growing i expect 300 plus runners like on the kdl board uh definitely, I don't, definitely. <laughs> more than barbie game girl there's a lot for barbie game girl now it's fantastic that, that's it's true i don't know why i used to be a top three runner in that game
0: and I'm the actual world record holder of that <laughs> game, but just nobody wants to give
1: it to me. I've, so. I have tried to recreate your glitch. I have tried. I think I understand how to do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> I'm not good at tas I'm not good at tassing, so it's hard. Indeed. <laughs> it should be picked up by somebody who knows how to tass
0: for sure. Uh, if Yeah, for people who don't know what we're talking about, uh, during the last 12-hour challenge, um, I... I uh, wanted to do as many Game Boy games as possible that I didn't have a time on. Um, so I did seven games. One of them was Barbie Game Girl. it um, were all games that you could like learn in 15 minutes and then just speedrun for 45 minutes and get a decent timing. That was my goal. Um, so I did Barbie. I was on my fourth or fifth try to get a good time. And stuff happened, and I don't know what happened, Um, if you watch my video about it, you can see that I'm completely baffled. Uh, But somehow I managed to skip from stage 2 to the final stage, uh, which is like a 5 level skip, and finish the game in 4 minutes and something, uh, instead of like 9 minutes. So that was really cool, but nobody has figured out how to actually do it, or what actually happened. That's it's always fun to bring up that they don't want to give me world record for that game.
1: Yeah. It's something with your your speed and your hitbox. Like it's a it's like a combination of a lot of things that I can trigger stuff, but I can't make it trigger what you did, so. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody will eventually figure it out. I'm Hopefully. Sure. I've I mean, I I have found my fair share of glitches in that game too. Like in in the in the fast food level stage, you can go you can overflow the the y-axis and go underneath of the stage and you can you can either soft right. lock or you can hard reset the game you can do a lot of crazy stuff on that stage <laughs> it's insane
0: yeah it's not a well programmed game so it it's definitely something a lot of people can look into it they're interested <laughs> in glitches and stuff no, that, that there might even be a credit warp from the start of the game oh, for all we know well, so
1: <laughs> well i mean if the start of the game not this is now a barbie gamer girl podcast so at the start of the game like a level one if you look to the left that door on the left hand side is the exit to level one so if someone can figure out how to just walk over that wall that invisible wall right there you you end level one right, right. there so yeah
0: see a lot of food <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's cut this speed running because as we said before, it is not the main focus of the podcast at all, but we just wanted to dive a little bit into some, some weird stuff there. But yeah, we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back with uh, some listener questions with some uh, community announcements and stuff like that. So we'll see you guys in a bit. all right we're back let's talk a little bit about the community events related to game boy um like first up we have starting this weekend hopefully when this podcast also comes out we have uh, esa summer um which is of course the european speed running uh, assembly uh, assembly there we go i was Talk, thinking about a completely different word um, but yeah everybody knows esa it's the european counterpart to sgdq agdq um, which is always fun uh, a lot of your european guys will be there and girls of course not only guys uh, mostly guys probably as <laughs> like usual um, but yeah we will see a lot of people there like um like, oh man, I forgot all the Swedish we got streamers we names, got so, andy got so Andy sweet we,
1: he's gonna be doing mega Man Two game boy, I think at e s a
0: yeah, yeah,
1: uh, we got what dexter cool kid t m
0: r who's also living there right now, but is actually Mexican, of course. But yeah, all those very well-known persons will be there. And there are a few Game Boy games, like always. Um, Not much representation for Game Boy, sadly. But at least there are some in there. And the Mega Man 2 thing. Even though Mega Man 2 is the most horrible Mega Man Game Boy game out there. um, Will probably be really cool to watch. Because it has a lot of, like, zips and stuff like that. It's it's a really cool uh, speed
1: run, at least. Yeah, and Andy is running in. Andy is god tier at Mega Man 2 game boy yeah. so yeah. And i believe bl- yeah. i think um oh uh one of our members of the monochrome city is going to be there i want to say he's running is he running super mario land 2 i have actually no idea but if he would be running anything it would probably <laughs>
0: be super mario land 2 uh so so yeah. or tetris or tetris. tetris
1: yeah it could be tetris he's been playing a lot of that lately so yeah. Yeah. so definitely keep doubt an doubt. eye out on that
0: yeah, and speaking of Mega Man Game Boy, uh, Mega Man Two Game Boy, the uh, tournament is still going on on Speed Gaming. Um, I think the last really uh, match I saw, John Carlos got kicked out. So yeah, um, <laughs> who's the organizer? Uh, so, but it's a lot of people have picked up that
1: game. It's really cool to see. A lot of cool stuff has been found in that game since then too, like so many screen wraps and zips and whatever else you use speedrunner terminology people use, like so much of it has been found in that game. And that that's like, like the time of that game has been dropped so much.
0: Yeah, it's been so long since. I don't, who actually, was it PLD who found the Zip?
1: I I don't I think don't it was remember, a combination but... of a bunch of people like uh, yeah. and Indy found some stuff. Obviously Tremaine found new stuff. PLD probably found some stuff because PLD is really good at the Mega Man Game Boy series as well. Um, I can't remember his name. I believe he is third place or fourth place right now on the leaderboard for it, but he found a whole bunch of screen wraps oh, and Needleman, uh, I think it was. Maybe Prissy? Maybe Prissy? Prissy probably has done something too, because Prissy's a madman. Yeah. So, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I mean, that's ESA coming up, and like Mo said, Mega Man 2 Game Boy tourney is still going on. I didn't know that tournament was still going on. I, mean, I thought it was done.
0: It's still going strong. I have no idea which round they're at, but it's uh, still going.
1: Dang. Finals, Tremaine versus India. calling it right now. <laughs> Could be. <we? Could> <laughs> then, uh, what? We got the 12-hour challenge coming back next next weekend. The 20, what, 27th? Yeah, weekend of the 27th.
0: Yeah, and this time, um, the... Um, how do you call it? The, the theme topic of yeah. the yeah the theme is actually games that have never been uh seen before in like <laughs> huge marathons and stuff like that. So you have plenty of games to pick from the if you want to do some Game Boy, Game games. Boy
1: library. <laughs> yeah,
0: B- besides ten games, maybe so you have <laughs> thousand thirty one more games to choose from. So yeah get on that you have 12 hours or you could do what i did last time like i said before just pick a few of them and try to do as many as possible get a decent time in them which is really fun to do you can always uh, look at my speedrun.com profile and just pick any of those out because most of them are really easy so
1: yeah i uh i think for my i initially submitted least of the painful which is an RPG on Steam as my 12-hour game. But I think I'm going to change it to either Night Quest or Roland's Curse for the Game Boy, so...
0: All right, yeah. I will not be home, like, every time something good happens. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I was thinking of either doing Tech U Fight or get back into uh, the, all the new stuff from Link's Awakening DX because that is a game that oh, I... game is so good. I did speed run like three years ago
1: um
0: but a lot has changed like i don't even know what a super jump is right now so
1: oh <laughs> yeah i was telling you to do that during your randomizer oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know,
0: yeah i i kind of want to get into that again but i probably won't be able to make it
1: during the actual weekend so we'll see i mean you can do it kind of whenever you want so yeah for sure i mean i have i have slash finity coming over next weekend so my 12-hour right. challenge is going to be pushed a little bit later as well so for those who don't know who Slashfinity is, he is the uh, he's a Super Mario Land two runner and I wanna say he helped create the randomizer for Super Mario Land two, so He did it, yeah. Yeah. He made it. And then um the other big marathon we have come up is Midwest Speed Fest, which if you're an American living in the Midwest, you uh you can definitely have attend this speedrunning event. Um it's only a weekend long, and I, for, I forgot the charity that they're supporting. It's I want to say it's some sort of children's children's uh, charity. Um, it starts Friday, ends Sunday night, like I want to say like eight p.m. Central Time. And I'm I'm running Kirby Dreamland <laughs> Extra Mode <remote>, uh, Saturday <laughs> Saturday morning. <laughs> uh, but there are a few other Game Boy games. Um, the opener for the marathon is Link's Awakening. The original, oh, there we go. the original, Link's the amazing. original one, yeah, yeah. And then um, my game is Saturday morning, and I want to say either Friday afternoon or Saturday afternoon. Pokemon Yellow is getting played as well. So, the worst of them all. Yeah, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing uh, Let's Go Pikachu coming up shortly because everybody else is getting Eevee and I want to get all the Pokemon. You
1: you picked the wrong Pokemon. Pikachu is the worst. Eevee is way cuter than Pikachu.
0: I know, but I have to trade otherwise you can't get them (laughs) all. Somebody had to step up and uh, pick the wrong version, (laughs) so this time it's me.
1: Oh, man. So, yeah, we actually have a, a question from a listener. We did it. We're making it. We're famous. Yes. We are literally internet we famous. We have listeners. Unbelievable. Um. So, yeah, this question is from John Carls. Um, of, <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah, out, out of all the people. <laughs> um, what elements of the game, uh, Max, do you think were improved from Adventure of Star Saber? and um, what makes it such a better game, in your opinions. Uh, Mo, do you want to start this one out? Yeah, we talked a lot about the changes between the
0: games already, of course, so your question kind of got answered already during the course of the entire podcast. Uh, but yeah, like, they got rid of most of the lag, which makes it so much better and much more enjoyable to play, at least. Um They spruced up the sprites a little bit, even though they are the same, but uh, in general, Rubble Saver 2 2, um, looks a little bit uh, more pristine than the first game. the weapons are better in this one even though i missed the uh the invincibility one because that one was really good to just get you through levels without having ever to do anything so that i, I kind of miss that one um yeah i don't know like I, I in general i feel like the second one would be enjoyed more by the general populace than uh than the first one just because uh mostly because of the lag and because it's also a lot easier to get into
1: yeah i agree with pretty much everything you just said um the game is much easier to play just in general like it's not your typical early 90s like bash your face against the game and wait until you know you or hope you beat the game or hope you pass a level um the game is in terms of the of the difficulty scale it it's pretty low um very easy to get through Health, I mean, you have three hit points. you can't really die in a pit unless you really try like it's just an overall like it's an easy game to like pass your way through um I would say the biggest the two biggest improvements for me with the game is the controls um even though the controls still feel slightly floaty um I feel like when I press a button or do something with my controller, the mech suit actually responds to it. Uh, versus Rubble Saver 1, when I would like press a button or do something, it felt like there was a little bit of a delay when I wanted to do something, or shoot, or you know fall into a pit and use my, my arrows to get out of it. Um, and the other thing is the health system. I think the health system really is, is what really put the game in a better state than Rubble Saver 1 for me. Uh, I could have I could have lived with the same weapon power-ups. I could have lived with the thrusters been in an arrow again, but the health system in Rebel Server One was pretty much if you get hit twice, you were dead. If you got hit once and found a mech suit, you had to wait like two seconds to climb back into this mech suit and get through the through the level again. Um, and this game is you get hit three times, you die. Um, when you hit twice, oh, I guess we didn't talk about that at all. So if you have a fire, if you have the fire up, uh, the fire fireball upgrade power, if you lose your mech suit completely, your weapon is downgraded to the alternate shot. And, you, and oh, I didn't yeah, and you have to get the weapon upgrade again to get your fireball back. Um, so that's kind of, it's, it, it's, it punishes you a bit, but not enough to where it's going to like drastically ruin the game for you. Um, but whenever you collect a health power up, um, you don't have to wait two seconds to climb into a mech. So, like, as soon as you grab a health power up, like you're immediately back in the mech and you're still going right. Like the game isn't interrupted for you. And to me, that's what made the game better. Um the controls and the health system is what made the game better for me.
0: All right, there you have it, John Carl, so hopefully that's enough uh, for you to actually jump into this game as well for your challenge, your system challenge, or uh, or maybe even speed running it later on. 12 hour challenge. So, um, Yeah, give it a go. So yeah, like, uh, like in our first episode we do have another price question for you guys. Um, Sadly, nobody sent in their yellow postcards last time. I don't know what that is about. Um, Yeah, very disappointing. It was such an easy question as well. You just could have looked to the manual of solar striker and you would have found the answer. So let's try something a little bit different this time Uh, for this episode's Price question: What you have to do is you can call us on five five five. This is Game Boy, and the question we are gonna ask you this time is: What is the name of Max's sister from the first Who game? That's a good one. Now? Uh, so yeah, get on that. Hopefully, we will be receiving some phone calls very shortly, and and somebody can can win the prize. Which I don't know what the prize actually <laughs> is, but hey. You, you can win it. we so will get cool. a shout-out in episode three. Yeah, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, speaking of stuff in the future, um, and also a little bit about like the listener questions, um, at this point in time, it's maybe a little bit harder for you people to reach us. Um, we are going to make some work out of that. Like I think um, we, we're going to have to buy us a... Pro SoundCloud account so we can keep uploading our episodes. Um we're of course we have to pay for that um so we're gonna start doing that ourselves of course but i think we are gonna make like a patreon and stuff like that so if you really like our podcast and you want to support us you can probably do that Um, we'll see that we got stuff set up uh, when the next episode airs so you can uh, actually go on to that Um, you can at this point reach us through our monochrome city twitter and stuff like that or for the people who know us on our uh game boy speed running discords and stuff like that but yeah we're, we're gonna try and uh, set some things up so you guys can uh, ask us questions a little bit easier or contact us with anything else a little bit easier in the future
1: yeah the the soundcloud thing is uh once we hit x amount of hours with like the quote-unquote free version you have to start deleting your podcasts off of there, and just for the sake of archiving for people that may want to listen to older episodes, um, we need to upgrade. So all that stuff is still available for all of you, and for us, and everywhere else in the world. Uh, RSS feeds, <laughs> yeah. however, people listen to podcasts nowadays. Um, so that's 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 what's going to go on to there. It's so like most said, a Patreon is probably going to be coming up in the future here soon. Um, obviously, we'll be giving you guys benefits for whatever tier I don't know how patreon works at all so however that tier thing works so um yeah and like Mo was saying all you can reach out to us via the monochrome city what twitch uh twitter do we have a youtube yet
0: uh, yeah, yeah, we do have. We automatically have a YouTube because we have a, a Gmail address, right. of course.
1: Uh, and uh, then obviously, like if you know us in the Game Boy Discord or the Monochrome City Discord or what other, other mutual discord servers we are in since. I'm in like 32 Discord servers. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can reach out to us, either ping us or DM us or whatever. Um, you can reach me personally at eBlooded Candy via YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. Mo, where can they reach you at?
0: Yeah, I'm an idiot because last time I said you could find me on, uh, wait, what was it? Twitter slash Mule? Yeah. Which is not true. I do not not have that. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, The thing is uh, that that's a little uh, issue I have with my name that some German guy or girl always has that account on anything. Um, So yeah, my actual Twitch is... Mule but with UH at the end uh, my Twitter is at Nostalgamia and my YouTube is uh, either actually Mule the same as, as my Twitch or Nostalgamia begins because I have two of them uh, but yeah as always we'll just put all the links into the description below so that's a little bit easier than trying to figure it out yourself yeah. um, So so yeah you can definitely
1: find us through there for sure so yeah, with that, guys, that is the end of this week's episode of Rubble Saver 2, a.k.a. Max. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And next time on This Is Game Boy, we hear... Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a
0: minute. I'm getting a phone call. This might have something to do, of course, with our uh, with our questions. So let me, let me just listen to this real quick. Yes, hello. You're with the This Is Game Boy podcast. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so it's not out yet. Of course, just okay. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. A lot of excitement. Perfect. I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll. I'll let you know. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Goodbye. Uh, so yeah. Are
1: we in the next Nintendo Power?
0: Uh, no, um, I just got scammed into getting a subscription to Fission Wildlife Magazine. <laughs> huh.
1: So are you an outdoors? I didn't know you were an outdoorsman.
0: Yeah. Uh I guess
1: I'm I'm gonna have to go fishing now. And enjoy uh, the wildlife. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. You can play Pokemon Go. Think of all the Pokemon you catch now.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. It's Zapdos. Uh, day. At least some... Oh wait, but but yeah, if there's no phone reception, I'm I'm gonna have a bet. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that that was it for this episode, at least. Um we'll be back next time um with gargoyle's quest 2 for game boy and a little something you didn't know we're gonna release these episodes bi-weekly now so thank you guys for listening see you next time
1: Goodbye. goodbye
0: Gavin, (laughs) like, and who is Max?